Hello, and welcome to Beyond Lithium, the podcast that looks at the future of clean energy storage beyond the third element. I'm your host, Nate Kirchhofer. In this episode, I'm joined by Leah Koritsky, head of PV operations at Antora Energy. Leah, great to have you on the podcast today. Great to be here, Nate. Yeah, it's good to catch up after a long time. So before we get into Antora's technology, I think it might be interesting for our listeners to hear how you got into the energy storage business. And, you know, just as a preface, we know each other from grad school, and I don't think you were working on energy storage back then. Yeah, that's right. Back in grad school at UC Santa Barbara, I was working on LEDs and lasers for energy efficient lighting. So by that time, I was already focusing my education and my career decisions on maximizing my impact on the environment, on sustainability, and on climate change. So working on energy efficiency and energy efficient lighting was definitely on mission for me. After grad school, I worked at a LED manufacturing company called LumaLeds, and I was really proud of that work, you know, getting products out into the real world that could increase energy efficiency. But when I first learned about Antora through a friend of a friend, I was really impressed with the mission the technical concept and the team. And first of all, you know, this was a group of people focused on just doing what it takes to solve climate change. And through an extensive process of down selection, they had chosen to work on long duration energy storage, which is a key missing piece in the renewable energy story. Solar and wind are now the cheapest form of primary energy that's available in the world, but they are intermittent, of course. And that means that on their own, they're not sufficient for reliable on-demand electricity that we need for society. So lithium-ion batteries are great for covering short gaps of renewable electricity generation, say like up to four, maybe up to eight hours. But if you need 12 hours, 24, 50, 100 hours, that's where lithium-ion batteries are really too expensive to be operated in that way. And you need something that's much cheaper. And that's where thermal energy storage really starts to look super good. So we can get into more details as we go along, but part of the thermal energy storage idea that Antora had also happened to call on my specific skills in semiconductors. And this was just such a cool and novel, elegant new idea that they had. And I was really excited about that. And I joined the company and that's how I got into the energy storage business. That's great. It, and I, I love what you were talking about there too, with the different durations of energy storage, because like you said, there, it's not a one size fits all thing. We, we need lithium ion for shorter duration things, mobile applications. But when we start thinking about longer duration storage to time shift or store energy, we have to have different options. So it's really cool that you found a landing spot for your expertise and your passion for clean tech. So I've read a few articles about Antora's technology, and I think I have a sense of how it works, but I would love to hear from you what thermal energy storage, the process of that looks like, mm -hmm. and how it compares against lithium ion in a few more details. Sure, absolutely. So like lithium ion and many other types of batteries, you charge the battery with electricity. And in our case, the batteries that we are making are specifically well-suited economically to be paired with renewable electricity. We use incoming cheap renewable electricity 
and we can use resistive heating. So when you pass electricity through a resistor, it heats up. Think about a toaster and uh, how that heats up. And that's a process of passing current through the coils. As they get hotter and hotter, they glow brighter and brighter. And so that's what's happening in the core of our thermal energy storage system. We have this, these solid carbon blocks that we're heating up with this electricity and they're getting very hot. They're glowing really brightly. And by the time they reach the very high temperatures of 1500 degrees Celsius or hotter, they are just bursting with light. And at these temperatures, the heat transfer is almost completely radiative, which means it's transferred through light. This leads to some really simple and elegant ways to discharge the battery to provide heat or electricity. So we have actually a combined heat and power battery, which is a unique aspect of the Antora battery. To provide heat, you would shine the light coming from the core of the battery onto what you want to heat up. So in some cases, you might be creating hot air or creating steam that can then be a drop-in replacement for fossil fuel-derived industrial process heat. If you want to provide electricity, this is where my expertise comes in. You can use something called a thermophotovoltaic, which is kind of a mouthful, but you can imagine something very, very similar to a solar panel. You shine light on it and it generates electricity, just like a solar panel. And the main difference between a thermophotovoltaic and a solar panel is that they're designed and tuned for the spectrum of light that's coming off of the carbon, as opposed to that coming from the sun. But otherwise, they look like, act like a solar panel. Okay, cool. So you can directly use the heat coming off of these blocks for process heating for heavy industry. And then alternatively, you could take that heat, which is still technically light. I think that's actually a, a cool point that mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know is that you know, microwaves are photons, radio waves are photons, but then infrared and heat is photons as well. That's the thing from the sun that heats us up, but what you're talking about too is very similar. And the solar panels we're used to seeing on people's houses are tuned for the sun, but it sounds like you guys made sort of like internal thermal panels basically mm -hmm. that absorb that infrared photon uh, energy instead of what we normally are used to seeing. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. That's cool. So it gives you flexibility on how you use that stored energy. I was thinking while you were describing it that 1500 C is really, really hot. I mean, we're starting mm -hmm. to get up towards like the temperatures of the sun sort of level, maybe not quite, but it's pretty darn hot. And I'm wondering how you actually contain that much heat. Yeah, we use lots of insulation. And in fact, the insulation is also carbon-based. So our battery is almost entirely made of carbon, which I think is pretty cool. It's just different forms of carbon and the insulation will be a lower density carbon so that you get those air pockets and that essentially provides that insulating power. Gotcha. Okay, so I wanna keep diving into the process a little bit. When you're getting energy, where is it coming from? today and then in the future, what are you expecting to see the source of energy be for your batteries? I mentioned before that our thermal batteries are really designed to take advantage of the economics of an electricity mix that is dominated by renewable energy or that is solely renewable energy. 
So the intermittency of renewables combined with the way that they're deployed in regions that have lots of resource um, contributes to the economics. So take, for example, America's Wind Belt, places like Northern Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas. These are places that have a really rich wind resource that's overlapping with a large deployment of wind farms. And that results in renewable power that is far below the price of natural gas for a third or even up to half of the year. And often the price of power even goes negative on windy days in the region. And this provides a super lucrative opportunity to soak up that excess power into our batteries and then deliver it back later when prices are high and otherwise natural gas would be used, but you can instead use your stored renewable energy. So nearly all of the projects in our pipeline, we are directly connecting our system to new or existing renewable assets. And that really is what enables the lowest possible electricity prices for our customers and the cleanest possible energy. So it's really a, a beautiful marriage of technology and economics to tackle climate change. The word I use often is time shifting, right? We, mm -hmm. we The wind is blowing at some point. That's probably not when we need all of that electricity. So you have to shift it to the future when we do need it. And one thing you brought up that I haven't thought too deeply about, but I'm curious what you think about is if the price of electricity goes negative, how does that affect our ability to finance a project? So I'm thinking, let's say the price of electricity is negative. How do you actually pay back, amortize the investment on the wind farm or the battery? Do you see what I'm getting at there? Yeah. For somebody who's owning a wind farm, say, if the price of power goes negative, we don't say you have to pay us to take your energy. What we're really providing is we can offer them a very low price, but we're going to take that off your shoulders, off your back. So they are really happy to unload that energy for some revenue. And then they're making lots of money in other times of the year. They also have high and low periods of revenue and profit. Uh, and this will actually help maximize the value of their asset. And then for the storage aspect, you're buying cheap and you're selling high or you're buying cheap and you're using it when otherwise you would be paying high prices. So you're saving money um, on the use end as well. So both the generators and the users um, would benefit in this case. I see. So it's really like leveling off the price or like making it more even over time. Is that the right way to think about it? Yeah, that's the way to think about it. Yeah. Okay. So that sounds like the business model that your industrial partners are thinking about. Okay. So when we're thinking more about industry, I'm curious how big of a problem the carbon footprint really is from heavy industry. And maybe you could talk about how you're alleviating some of that. Yeah. The contribution of industrial emissions to total emissions, it's about 30% of all global emissions come from industry. It's just absolutely massive. And industrial heat alone is 10% of the world's carbon dioxide emissions. So we're really able to directly address that challenge with our technology. Wow. I didn't realize that it was up to 30%. That's really a massive opportunity. So are there particular market verticals or industrial verticals that you see being really critical or use cases that are preferred? And you could also talk about what you see 10 years from now or what your deployment might be by 2030. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, nearly every industrial vertical uses massive amounts of both heat and power. So the technology that Antora has is actually applicable across almost every sector. I will say that the biggest industrial heat opportunities in the United States are actually for relatively low temperature steam users. That's about half of the industrial heat needs in the US. And those verticals include food and beverage, pulp and paper, chemicals processing. Just to give an example in food and beverage, you can imagine big vats of things cooking something and they need moderate temperature heat and generally in the form of steam. So longer term, Antora's batteries actually have an even bigger opportunity because they go so hot, we can deliver heat up to 1500 C. That's hot enough to address nearly all industrial heat needs, even industries like steel and cement. So there's really a huge opportunity for a thermal battery like Antora's to fully decarbonize the industrial heat. What it sounds to me like is we have all this infrastructure in place in our society, and in some ways we can sort of retrofit it with your technology to make it more efficient. Like we can use clean energy to do the heating, to yeah. boil the beer before <laughs> it's fermented at the brewery or something. Uh, so I read an article on September 12th in Bloomberg about this new thermal pilot battery that you guys have. And it's, I think it's here in California and near Fresno. Congratulations on that yeah. huge step. Can you help me and our listeners understand how it is helping decarbonize whatever industrial process is hooked into mm -hmm. and what decarbonization means? <laughs> sure. So maybe I'll start with what does decarbonization mean? It's kind of a long word that really just means we're getting rid of carbon-based emissions, pollutants. Carbon dioxide and methane are the two that people usually combine when they say carbon emissions. And when you say decarbonization, it means you're getting rid of those uh, sources of air pollutants. So this pilot project is the culmination of a lot of work on our team, of course. It's a really big milestone on our journey to solving climate change. It is the first time that we are integrating all of the essential components of our system in a buttoned up package that's at a large scale and it's positioned at an industrial site. So this pilot has been really critical to explore the build process to validate our thermal and electrical modeling. We're stress testing our materials in it and we're creating a blueprint for what will ultimately be a modular copy paste kind of system that we can deploy on the backs of semi trucks and just send them all over the US. So that is what we're doing with this pilot system. Wow. Is it something that uh, could be found out in the wild? <laughs> you would at the moment have to be invited, but we have some customers coming to visit and some of our grant funding agencies have come to visit. So we're hosting guests at the site to show off our system. I'm really happy to see the momentum for you guys and just generally in the energy storage space. It's uh, really encouraging to see. And I think the timing is good. We need as much storage as possible. Okay. So I have a couple more you related questions. If people wanted to get in touch with you or Antora to follow up with this technology or hear more about it, or maybe there's a customer that's listening, a potential mm -hmm. customer, how should they go about reaching out to you? 
the best way is to go to our website, antoraenergy.com, and you can send us an email through there. Perfect. And I am curious too, for people that might be listening, thinking about careers in renewable energy, or maybe they're thinking about changing jobs. What's one piece of advice that you would give for people that are trying to make a transition sort of like what you did moving forward? Yeah, I would say one thing that I reminded myself of regularly when I was looking for jobs was that I didn't have to do only the jobs that I had the skill set for, that I should really focus on the kind of impact that I want to have and let my skill set develop based on that rather than going to where the jobs are or saying, oh, I have a degree in this, I have these skills, that means I have to work at these three companies. It's not true and it's too limiting. So I would say, make sure that you don't feel bounded by your resume and you can take some brave risks. All the Gosh, that's, yeah, that's such a good piece of advice. And, you know, if you've got experience in industry, you can use your ability to learn to make an impact somewhere else. Well, that's amazing. With that, I want to wrap this episode up. And Leah, thank you so much for joining. And I really appreciate your time and appreciate your insights about Antora's technology. And I'm looking forward to maybe coming and visiting. We'll see. Yeah, we'll have to get you an invitation. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, thank you again. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye, Nate. And thanks to you for tuning in. Again, I'm Nate Kirchhofer, co-founder and CEO of Biozen Batteries, which produces this show as part of the Clean Power Media Group. My guest today was Leah Koritsky, head of PV operations at Antora Energy. If you'd like to interact more, please visit cleanpower.media or send us an email at hello at biozenbatteries.com. Please write a comment, like, follow, share, or even leave us a voice message on your favorite episodes. Many thanks to Curtis Warden for the great theme music and Abe Mesrich for helping with all the little things behind the scenes. Be sure to join us next time on the Beyond Lithium podcast.